0: you would open a Bible with me to Acts chapter 7, Acts 7 is where we will begin in this part of our worship, Acts chapter 7. I'm a little concerned about the flowers being an obstacle course for me today, you guys know I like to walk around up here and I guess this is to keep me from dangling my toes off the edge like I sometimes do, but if I stumble over that then you'll forgive me. It is good to see you this morning, as, uh, as we've mentioned already, it's, a, it's been a strange kind of week, and uh, so we're gathered here, we're probably, uh, we have some holes in different people that are missing uh, because of either sickness or concern about sickness, and uh, so there's a lot of that going around, uh, the concern and the sickness, and uh, so let's definitely be in prayer for one another, let's be checking on others and uh, seeing about each other. I know that a lot of us have a cleaner slate in terms of schedule than normal. Uh, We had a very, very busy weekend set up, and then we ended up not having any of the things we had planned. So uh, when there's no school and no sporting events and no workshops, uh, all of a sudden our time is freed up. So let's be sure and use that time uh, to check on each other, be thoughtful about each other. We also have visitors with us, and we want you to know we're glad that you're here We want to get to know you. We probably won't shake your hand, but that's not personal. And uh, we're glad that you're here. And we'd love to answer any questions you have or anything we can do to be of service to you. So please just let us know about that. Acts 7 and verse 22. Acts 7 and verse 22. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his brother thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. This little story about Moses reminds us that plans change. We have lived this over the last few days. I suspect that very few of us began the week planning for the way we ended the week. Things changed. And that had a specific application in terms of our group, right? So we had planned, for those who are not aware, we had planned for many, many months to host a Bible workshop weekend here. We were going to have a lot of young people here. We were flying in. Phil Robertson from Florida, he was going to teach. He was actually going to be here preaching right now. And yet plans changed and things changed. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And this idea as I was suddenly needing to think about and preach something because I was not expecting to preach, but plans change. This idea kept surfacing for me as a thought that is, Good intentions don't always come to pass. Even when we plan, even when our plans come from a good heart, even when we do all the work, plans change. And yet that seemed to me to be a microcosm of our lives and our faith. We start out with a set of expectations and dreams and plans for our lives, a way that things ought to go. And as a younger man, I used to think that all the adults around me, I would look around and I would say, well, I guess... Everybody here planned to be where they are. Everybody's living their dreams. And this is just, their dreams were a little different from mine. It is only after talking to them a little bit that I began to realize no one's life goes according to their plan. No one. Plans change. So what I want to do for our time this morning is think a little bit about why plans change. And then what we can learn about ourselves and about God from that fact. First of all, plans change change. Because the timing is not right. The timing is not right. That's what happens with Moses here. By the way, we've been reading about Moses in our daily devotionals. And I've also received a question about Moses, particularly from this idea of what is said in in Acts chapter 7 about Moses. I thought it would be helpful for us to think about his story for a little bit. Remember, Moses is an Israelite, a Hebrew, who was born during the time of Egyptian slavery. And so there is an edict from Pharaoh that all baby boys born to the Hebrews should be killed, thrown into the Nile. And Moses' parents, in an extraordinary act of faith, hide him in the reeds, and he is discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. See, I'm, I'm having trouble here. I'm supposed to go forward, but I don't know what's going on here. So they hide him in the reeds. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and Pharaoh's daughter says that she's going to raise him as her son. So it says in verse 22 here in Acts 7, It says, so Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and deeds. So he is growing up in the palace, and yet he is very aware that he's a Hebrew. Because it says there in verse 23, it came into his heart to visit his brothers. He wants to go see his people and look at what they're dealing with, their burdens. By this time, he is 40 years old. And it says, I want you to read this in verse 23. It says... When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Notice verse 25. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. So he supposed this was Moses' plan. And I want you to think about the fact that Moses grew up with all this privilege, and he knew he was a Hebrew, and now he is taking action. He thinks what's going to happen is when he kills this Egyptian, it's going to, if you'll pardon my language, it's going to start the revolution. It's time. I'm your leader. I'm going to kill an Egyptian. You guys join me. Let's overthrow this horrible slavery. And yet it says there in verse 25, they did not understand. So with all this thought about how could God use me in my position, and my unique gifts... Moses decides, you know what? My plan is, my brothers will understand. As soon as they see it, they'll know, and we can start to throw off the slavery and the oppression of the Egyptians. So he takes a leap of faith to avenge his people, and the leap of faith goes nowhere. Instead, it looks like the Hebrews are going to turn him in, and Pharaoh becomes angry. He has to run for his life. For 40 years, he is in the desert. Plans change and then something happens to moses as he's in the the desert for 40 years watching sheep that is he's no longer convinced that god is going to use him to deliver his people in fact 40 years later when moses is 80 years old and god appears to him in the burning bush god says now it's time for you to go deliver my people and moses you remember the story moses has a series of excuses why there's no way i could do this And he asks God these questions and and just slowly over the course of the story, we're in Exodus 3 and 4 if you want to look at that, but slowly over the course of the story he says, well, first, who am I to do this? And then he says, they won't listen because after all, he dealt with that before, hadn't he? They didn't listen the first time. And then he says, well, I'm not eloquent. I can't talk well. And then finally he just says, please send someone else. Moses has changed from where he was in the beginning. He thought first that he would do it, and then he is a different man. So I don't think Moses is just making excuses here. I think Moses is a different man. He has been humbled, and now God says, now you're ready. So Moses' plans change again. And now he goes back to Egypt to deliver God's people. Now I want you to notice, Moses was not wrong in what we read here in Acts 7.25. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was going to deliver the people by his hand. That's exactly what happened. The problem with Moses' plan is that the timing was not right. Forty more years needed to pass. And in fact, my personal opinion is that Moses needed those 40 years to become a different man himself. The timing wasn't right. When Scripture talks about time, it often stresses that God's view of time and sense of time is different from our sense of time. God acts at the right time, the fullness of time. And we, we just want God to act now. We don't really care about the whole fullness and the right time. We just want what God can do for us at the moment. So it may be that we pray for a mate now, or that we pray for career advancement now. And instead of now, the answer is not no. The answer is just not yet. You need to wait a little while on that. The timing is not right. So we pray for stability in our relationships. We pray for our children to succeed. We pray for the church to grow. And the timing is just not right yet. And so plans change. Things move. And very often, we get discouraged What I want to remind you of from Moses' story is that plans changing is not always a bad thing. These plans needed to change because God had a better and greater plan, a deeper plan. So the struggle, when we talk about timing, the struggle with plans changing because of timing is with trusting patience. It is hard for us to continue to trust through a long period of time. And so we have to be prepared to trust God's plan even when it takes a long time, because the timing may not be our timing. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. The second reason that plans change, we'll find here in 1 Kings 19, which is they're not what we expected. So here's what's happened in 1 Kings 19. Elijah has for years prayed for drought to soften the hearts of the people of Israel. He confronts King Ahab on Mount Carmel and along with Ahab, the prophets of Baal. And God answers Elijah by fire, consumes the sacrifice, and Elijah rallies the people on Mount Carmel, and the people kill the prophets of Baal. And then the rain comes. It is a glorious, literally a mountaintop moment for Elijah. But then you get 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19 is right after that, and and you can see in Elijah's reaction to what happens next, that this is not what he was expecting. 1 Kings 19 and verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. By the way, if you can't read through the wording there, she's just saying, I'm about to kill you. Verse 3, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. So Jezebel says, You are going to die to Elijah. You killed my prophets, and that's not going to work. And so... 1 Kings 19 is the story of how Elijah runs away from it all. Elijah is what we would call depressed or burned out, something like that. He has had an experience that was not what he was expecting. Look down in verse 13, 1 Kings 19, 13. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He says, I have been very jealous, very zealous, passionate, hardworking, doing my job, passionate for Jehovah of hosts. I have been working for you, God, and it's gotten me nowhere. Think about how many years he had invested into this plan where he is praying for it not to rain. And God hears his prayer and withholds the rain. And finally, Ahab seems to come around and he gets this opportunity to show the power of the true God on Mount Carmel. What does Elijah think is going to happen? Surely, Elijah thinks, finally we can reach the hearts of the people. And what begins on Mount Carmel is going to be a new, a new time for the nation of Israel. A rebirth. And yet, As soon as he comes down the mountain, his life is threatened. This is just not what he thought was going to happen. And so he is depressed. He is disconsolate. This is not the way things are supposed to work. If you serve God, if you're very zealous for the Lord of hosts, things are supposed to go well, right? Have you ever gotten what you were working for? And it was different than what you expected? Have you ever said, well, you know what, if I were to ever get the boss's job, I would do this and this and this, then everything would be, and then you got the boss's job, and it was not what you thought? I used to think I knew a lot about raising kids, and then I had some, and suddenly I don't know nearly as much. Sometimes we we work for accomplishments because what we think is, When I get these accomplishments, then people will respect me. They'll treat me this way. They'll think this way about me. And then we get them, and it's not what we thought. Maybe it's just that we expected life to go differently. You know, I thought by this time I would be financially secure. I really did. I thought by this time we would have done more with the time we had. I thought we would have kids by now. I thought I'd be further along in my career I thought I would have done more. And what can happen to us when when we have those goals and plans and we find that things are not what we were expecting things to be is that we start to act like Elijah where we put all our emphasis and all our self-worth on this one thing and then it doesn't pan out like we were expecting and suddenly the plans changing makes us depressed. It happens from time to time in spiritual work too. I've seen this happen, it's happened to me. Where we pour ourselves into a spiritual effort, a good faith effort, a leap of faith even. Like Elijah, like Moses. We say, I'm going to try this and surely God will answer. I'm putting my heart into this, I'm trusting him. And then it just doesn't happen like you expect. And it's very easy to get depressed and discouraged. Our faith must mature To the degree that we can handle the disappointment that comes from plans changing. So the struggle with things not going like we expected. Is not about patience like the first one. The struggle here is about overcoming disappointment. And the disillusionment that comes with disappointment. When it's just not what we thought it would be. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. Plans also change because people change them. Sometimes we are at the mercy of people and what they do and what they decide. We've already seen that with Moses. Remember, Moses thought his brothers would understand, but they didn't understand. And we've seen that with Elijah. Elijah was trying to convince the hearts of the people of Israel, and to some extent he succeeded, but Jezebel was still there. He didn't win Jezebel over. People excuse me, people sometimes change our plans. And there is no better example of people changing plans than Joseph. Now, Joseph grew up in a rather hostile environment. Lots of brothers who hated him. And one day they decide that they're going, sorry, I had to scratch my nose, I know I'm touching my face. As soon as they say, don't touch your face, you just have to. Joseph grew up, I, I, I am making a point here. Joseph grew up in a rather hostile environment. One day his brothers who hate him sell him into slavery. And the thing about Joseph is, it, have you thought about what it would be like to be a young man growing up in a household like his father's, beloved, spoiled even, and yet then immediately have that all ripped from you and you are a slave? I think Joseph shows a tremendous amount of character by the way he rolls with the punches of his life. And he is able to keep working, first in Potiphar's house, then in the prison, then in Pharaoh's employ, and he makes a life for himself. He just keeps trying to do the right things. I want you to read this with me, Genesis 45 and verse 4. Genesis 45 and 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, "'Come near to me, please,' and they they came near. And he said, "'I am your brother Joseph, "'whom you sold into Egypt.'" But actually God did it. I know you did it. You know you did it. But this is actually God's. You didn't send me here. God sent me here. He is looking backward and he says, through everything that happened and all the things you did to me, I see God doing good in spite of and even through your evil. So has this happened to you at all? That you set out with a certain set of plans and goals for your life and then people happen. Other people affect them. None of us is an island, and even though we have freedom, none of us is free from the influence of other people and their choices. And so what that means is sometimes people do us wrong, and they do it in a dramatic way. Sometimes they'll say things like, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Sometimes they will hurt us financially. They will say, hey, let's move to a totally different part of the country or the world They'll do violence to us and our family. They'll make decisions that affect us permanently. So we make our plans and we have our hopes and our dreams, but then people happen and life happens and we have to learn to adjust. The battle here is about bitterness. That when people change our plans, like Joseph, we're going to have to wrestle with, my life is not what it should have been and it's your fault. Couldn't Joseph say that? I was slated for a different life. It was going to be great. And instead, I've had to live as a slave. I've had to work so hard. All these awful things have happened to me. And and you know exactly whose fault it is. It's the people who did this to me. And Joseph had to wrestle through and work through that bitterness. Now, he did it by finding a way to see good in what happened anyway. To say God was doing something good in spite of your evil. But we're going to have to wrestle with plans changing because of people. And the last area I want to look at is that sometimes plans change because God changes your direction. There are some stories that just have extraordinary divine interventions in the Bible. For example, you have a man who lives to 70, and then God says, go from your country and your kindred to your father's, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Genesis 12.1 did Abraham's plans change? All of a sudden, they changed. Whole life changed in a moment at the word of God. Sometimes, what Abraham had planned is just overruled. It happens with Paul, too. Paul says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. What happened to Paul? Paul's plans overruled. You think this, you're headed in this direction, you think this is the right thing to do, but God says, nope, we're not doing that anymore. Now, certainly, Abraham still had to obey and respond to God's direction. Paul still had to obey and respond to Jesus' direction. But the point is, sometimes plans change because God says, no, we're not doing that anymore. This is the point where I had more examples than I could possibly have a study in this time, at least, and keep the sermon of reasonable length. You could put Gideon in that same box, Samson, David, just a shepherd boy until all of a sudden he's not, Mary, just an ordinary Jewish girl, one day an angel comes, her life changes forever. God takes the reins and he takes us somewhere we did not expect to go. Now that's easy to say in these stories in the Bible, isn't it? I mean, it's so clear. It's definitely God. God's speaking to them. God's sending angels to them. The challenge for us is that it's less obvious in our lives that God is the one changing the direction. You know, we might have some glimpses, some thoughts about that, but we can't be certain. We might call it providence, but the point is when it points us toward God, it may be that God is behind it. Now, the challenge for this, when God changes your direction is resentment. Because what that can mean is, if God comes and overrules your plan, just like we might be bitter with people, we're even more frustrated with God. This is not the life I wanted to live. This is not what I had planned. And in some cases, it may even feel like God's not asking, He's telling. We may end up in the words, Jesus uses to Paul, we're kicking against the goads. God's pushing us one way, and we're saying, no, thank you. Plans change, and we have to battle the resentment of saying, God has the right to do that. All right, so you got all that information. I just want to make two lessons from this, and then we'll be done for this morning. So when plans change, I want us to think about two things. First, our plans are subject to God's. Everything we decide, everything we plan, no matter how well we plan, how thoughtfully, how carefully, how spiritually, everything is subject to God's. And we need to make plans with that thought in mind. Go with me to James chapter 4 if you would. James James talks about this specifically. James 4, I want to read beginning in verse 13. James 4 and verse 13. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So when he describes the idea of making plans. You see that, verse 13, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town. That's a plan. It's a business plan even. And we're going to go over here, we're going to do this, this is what we'll bring, and we'll make this money. Maybe even we'll do this when we get it. The problem James has is not with us making plans. It's natural for us to make plans, both in the technical, well, let's make a plan for what's happening this week, And also in the broader sense of of what we hope and want to accomplish. That's not the problem. The problem for James is that we don't acknowledge that our plans are not the last word. And so he says, verse 15, Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You see what the assumption is? If we're planning today and tomorrow, we're assuming we're going to be alive tomorrow. No guarantees about that. It's only if the Lord wills that we even live. And then beyond that, if the Lord wills, we can do what we planned. But all of that is about acknowledging that our plans are subject to God's. God is the one who decides. And so while that phrase, I don't, you know, we sometimes will say, Lord willing. That phrase itself, I don't think James is saying, you got to say this phrase or else your plans don't count. I think what James is saying is, We have to make plans remembering that we're not the last word. He calls that boasting. That we're assuming we're the ones who get to make all the decisions. When in fact our lives are just a vapor. So the lesson here is, don't get married to your plans. They're not the sum total of your life. God is in charge and he may allow you to do what you like. He may even empower you to do what you like. But His is the final word. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Especially here, I want to warn you about this. There is a danger in disappointment. It is very easy for us, and I've talked to a number of people who feel this way, so I'm not just speaking ignorantly. It is very easy for us to begin to think that if our life is not what we thought it would be, somehow it's a waste. If our life is not accomplishing all of these things, if we don't become famous and important... That somehow we don't matter and we are disappointed with the way things have turned out. Please remember, nothing has gone wrong just because God has a bigger plan than we do. Nothing has gone wrong. Nothing went wrong with Moses when his first attempt failed and he had to go live in the desert for 40 years. If you interview him from 41 to 80, what are you going to get out of Moses? You're going to get a lot of disappointment. But interview him again at 120. Remember Elijah, who for a moment struggled with his disappointment and his depression, and yet God brought him out of that and he continued to do good work for God. Remember Joseph, who probably for years battled the bitterness against his brothers and yet that plan was far greater than anything Joseph would have come up on his own, come up with on his own. And remember that Abraham and Paul and Gideon and so many others, what they found was there was a better life in trusting God's plan than in fashioning their own. Now, that's hard. We want to set the agenda for what our lives are going to be, but our plans are subject to God's. God does not owe you your dreams. There are bigger things at play than just what we think our lives should be. The second thing is that we can learn is that we grow in the journey. Moses grows into a different man, a more humble man, He is reluctant, and all of those years spent in the desert make him a perfectly fit leader when the children of Israel are ready to go out. Elijah grows in the journey. He gains a depth and a strength. When he comes back to the Lord, he emerges with a stronger faith. Joseph grows in the journey. Joseph, when he starts, is kind of a spoiled brat, but think about what he becomes. He becomes a man who has found the Lord through it all and has found a way to forgive one of the most awful things that could have happened to him. Abraham, Paul, Gideon, Samson, Mary, David, they're not just chosen. They become better people. I know, Samson, eh. They become better people because their plans have been changed. I wonder why that is. I wonder if, if it's that, if we just got everything we planned and dreamed and schemed for, I wonder if we would get proud and start to think that we deserve it. We're just really awesome, so we should get everything we ever want. I wonder if we would become more self-absorbed if that were the case. I wonder if, if that were the case, if we would just stop making decisions that have any spiritual dimension to them at all, any wisdom at all, and just go for what we wanted. I don't know, but what I do know is that God seems unwilling to let us achieve all our plans. He just keeps letting things change. So why not embrace that? And why not look for the good in where we are? So I encourage you, look back on your life up to this point. I encourage you to look at the hills and the valleys, the bumps and the bruises, the blessings and the frustration, and ask the question, how have... I groan. What has God been up to? Remember, plans are going to change. But we can trust in a God who's going to take care of us and lead us to better places. And along the way, we'll grow in the journey. So my encouragement to you is let's stay open to God and what God wants to do and accept the fact that our plans are going to change. There might be someone here this morning who is ready at this moment so let the plan of their life change as they turn to walk with God. And we'd love nothing more this morning, nothing, than to help you begin that journey, to make that change, to turn away from sin and turn to the Lord Jesus. He has offered himself for you and a sacrificial death. So take away your sins. And if you're ready to walk with him, be baptized into Christ, you can have your sins washed away. You can begin that journey. If you're ready to take that step or there's anything we can do to help you, please come to the front as we stand and sing to encourage you.